Firstly, uh, thank you very much, Chris, uh, for coming to my show. Absolutely. So I've gone through your profile. I can see you're do- you have done a lot of work and still doing a lot of work and uh, doing a lot of service to the world. So I thought to tell about your work to my audience. Perfect. Happy to always talk about myself. So before that, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Chris Bruce. I'm a five-time venture back founder. Currently, I'm the CEO and co-founder of a Web3 infrastructure company called Blockjoy. Previously, I sold the company to Electronic Arts, and I sold the company to Mattel. So I've been around for quite some time. I am a hands-on technical type, but I do a lot in product and marketing as well. So when you started this, when did I start Blockjoy? Yeah. Yeah, so I started this company about two years ago. And it was actually completely by accident. Uh, I was just building something for myself and some close friends and family. And we did such a good job of building this and lowering the cost of running a blockchain node that it turned out a lot of people wanted to use it. And we ended up becoming pretty successful. We went on to raise some funding and we recently closed a series A with Google Ventures or Gradient Ventures, the Google venture arm. Um, they basically led our Series A. And so, yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been busy. Like I said, it's kind of happened by accident. So I'm pretty excited. So uh, from uh, which part of the world are uh, your services uh, being used? Yeah, so pretty much all over, uh, to be honest. So we have customers that use it in the United States, use it in Asia, uh, use it in Europe. So all over the world. And in fact, I am originally from... Southern California in the United States. But now today I live in Berlin. I've been here for three years. So uh, even myself and my team is completely distributed around the world. And what what problems exactly you want to solve? So for this particular uh, use case, so if, if you know anything about Web3, Web3 is more of a an idea about decentralizing the internet. So we have companies like Google, We have companies like Facebook. We have companies like Twitter. They are owning your social media content, your data. They are kind of infringing a little bit on your privacy so that they can sell ads and make revenue. But it's your content that you're putting out there. It's your, you know, effort and hard work that does things. You know, other platforms like YouTube monetize and you get some money back, but it's very hard to be monetized. And so, the, the big cut goes to them, big companies. And w- what I'd like to see is, you know, blockchains and crypto be used as a tool to usher in the next evolution of the Internet where those companies don't no longer have control over your privacy, your personal data. And instead, we have all of these web services that are completely decentralized and they have no intermediary. They have no person operating in the middle. And the nice thing about this is, if you have resources to provide, you can provide them. You can earn, uh, you know, crypto for providing those resources. And if you're a consumer, you can uh, use those resources and you can pay in crypto. And so I think it's a really good, perfect solution. And I guarantee you at some point there'll be a decentralized ad network. So if you still want to use this existing ad model so that you can use the social media uh, networks for free and still not have an uh, intermediary, that's all possible as well. And how many users do you have now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
so we, we launched a beta. So we've actually have customers like crypto.com, Binance, the Helium Foundation. We have quite a few customers that have been using us over the last few years. So big, big in, you know, enterprise level customers. But what we did is we took this platform and we opened it up so that anybody can use it. It's in beta right now. Uh, last I checked, we have four or 500 people using it. Um, but we have a lot of, you know, companies that, uh, we're talking to about, uh, coming on board. And so these are big companies that have, you know, thousands and thousands of blockchain nodes that they run. And how you're putting your word out? Uh, because not many non-technical people knows that uh, their data has been using like this and not getting paid and uh, not uh, they are not getting benefit, but the companies are getting. Yeah, so there's a, there's a few things that we do. So we focus on um, more of the enterprises. So the big companies that are uh, running blockchain nodes, they typically run in the cloud. So they run in these centralized things like Amazon Web Services or Google Cloud or Microsoft's Azure. Um, but to run those in the cloud, you're kind of running them again on a centralized entity. And so you're sort of centralizing that service. And um, because of that, it's also very expensive. The run things in the cloud today have really grown over the last, you know, 15 years that, that you know, I've been using the cloud. And it's becoming very cost prohibitive. And so what we do is we enable those customers to lower their operational costs by 80, you know, up to 80 percent. And then we allow them to run those nodes anywhere on bare metal servers, anywhere in the world on any other bare metal provider. And so it's a way for them to decentralize the network to add diversity. They can run it in their garage. They can run it, you know, in a data center that they own. They can run it in bare metal servers that they rent somewhere else, but it basically gets them off the cloud. And so I think that's a really strong, compelling um, way. And because of that, word is starting to get out because of the cost factor. Um, I also run a podcast that's relatively new called WTF Web3. And so part of our goal with that podcast is to talk a lot about the issues of the Internet today and what Web3 could bring. And, you know, there is a bit of a, a misnomer when we talk about Web3. Most people think of crypto. They think of scams. They think of million dollar ape pictures, you know, NFTs and things like that. But there's a whole other side to uh, Web3 which is really about the decentralized internet. And so we're doing our best to get it with our podcast and uh, coming on podcasts and shows like this as well. And who, who will get uh, uh, most benefit with this? Um, I, I think anybody that wants to run a blockchain node. So part of decentralizing the internet is having people run servers that help you know, run the apps and the data and the and the decentralized things for that particular um, service. And so what we want to do is we want to make it very easy for anybody to run a node and participate in Web3. And, you know, by participating in Web3, usually you're earning some kind of token. So hopefully they have the tools that make it very easy. They're very cost effective tools compared to uh, what you have today in the cloud. And so it just makes it more accessible for anybody to use. But how you're presenting and how you're reaching people with, uh, uh, with the, with the service that you have? Yeah. So, so today, right now, we've, we are focusing on larger node operators. So we go direct to them. Um, you know, we have people that have worked with a lot of different uh, providers in the community. And so we're trying to go after some of these bigger players that run a lot of servers on the cloud or trying to get them to take those off the cloud and then run them more decentralized and distributed elsewhere. And so a lot of it is just contacts and stuff that we have today. 
Um, of course, we do some marketing. We, we, have, we do some PR. So we, we, you know, we get some press coverage here and there, but it's traditional. The, the thing about today about marketing, marketing, traditional marketing, when we talk about marketing, there's really kind of three levels of marketing, right? So there's paid media. There's owned media, which is content you create like yourself. And then there's earned media where somebody comes to you like you came to me and said, hey, I want to have you on my show. And so those are the three avenues. What we're seeing today traditionally is paid media, paid media. You know, you, you want a commercial on TV, you pay for it. You want ads in Facebook or in LinkedIn, you pay for it. But what we're seeing today is those don't work. Social media is really like TikTok and YouTube is really completely dumped out on the head. And now owned media, which is the content you create and produce and earned media are more of the best ways for marketing and the best return on investment. And so we're really working on that effort. But as you know, having a podcast of your, your own, it takes a while to get a podcast off the ground. So, you know, you're going to spend a year or so making content that, you know, gets very little viewership. And then one day, like a hockey stick, people start to discover it and they look at all your great content and you start to go up. So those are investments that take some time. And so like the WTF podcast, we're really focused on uh, talking a lot about the messages and things that, that you know, Block Joey wants to help support. Um, but it takes time. Since we just started the podcast, you know, a couple months ago, you know, it's going to take time to build up. But that's how social media mostly. And how you're presenting uh, uh, your work uh, on your podcast? Uh, so, so our podcast tries to stay somewhat neutral uh, over BlockJoy. We don't try and promote BlockJoy too much. Uh, usually we have a link whenever we publish the podcast to Spotify or to YouTube. We have a link back to BlockJoy. But what we like to do is talk about important topics in Web3. We, we really want to separate the sort of crypto utility, the things that are good for the Internet versus the scam stuff that are kind of BS and and not necessarily good. And so we talk a lot about that. And so the idea is that we're providing content that's valuable. Um, it's not BlockJoy related. And, you know, hopefully people will see that and see how knowledgeable we are and, you know, how much we uh, love and appreciate the goals of Web3, the, the truest intent of Web3. And hopefully they'll come check us out and, you know, eventually we'll, we'll build an audience that will know about BlockJoy. And if they need uh, to run nodes, they know where to find us. And uh, how much people are aware of uh, this uh, decentralization concept? You know, that's a good question. I don't have a hard number. It's growing every day. So if you look at like Web3, ha you know, hashtag on Twitter or uh, YouTube, it's definitely growing and people are getting more familiar with it. The, the biggest problem that, that Web3 faces is that it's closely related to crypto. Crypto is kind of part of the process of decentralizing these things. So blockchain technology is used heavily to have these decentralized applications. But as you may have noticed, the crypto is going up and down. There's a lot of scams. There's a lot of up and downs in crypto. And so at some point, you know, when these people cheat the system and trans, you know, basically steal a bunch of money from customers, it doesn't make crypto look good. But fundamentally, once you understand it, it's good. But again, I think it's, it's we still have a long way it goes for people to understand it. I will say that the last metric I have is I believe there's about 80 million uh, crypto wallets created, and that represents about 3% of the entire population. So only 3% of the population maybe even have a crypto wallet. So there's a lot of room for people to get more familiar with this and, and start to learn uh, about it. But it's one of those things where they should they should learn because, um, you know, the knowledge is power in this particular case. And what is the feedback that you're getting? 
Um, I, I think the feedback, like I said, we just kind of launched beta, you know, a few weeks ago. It's very positive. We have a lot of people that want to use it and it's kind of more demand than we can handle right now because, uh, we're, we're kind of working with these companies on a like POC level. Like we're trying to say, Hey, look, um, don't take our word for it. Let's just show you how efficient and performant our solution is, how easy it is to use and then also how much money you'll save. And so. That's where we're at now. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea of what we're doing is, is very strong because we built this from the ground up targeted at infrastructure for blockchains. Like we don't use web two technologies. We're using a completely from the ground up tech stack that we built ourselves specifically for running blockchain nodes. And because of that, it's very simple to, to use for anybody and it has huge cost savings. And you have everything, just what you need for running blockchains and not things you need for running websites or other things that are unrelated. And uh, how you're uh, presenting it to the world? Uh, I mean, through our website, through our social media content, uh, we do demos. People can sign up for the beta and use it. Um, but yeah, b- basically through our website, people can learn about it. And a lot of talking, just going to conferences, talking to people, uh, talking uh, in sales calls and, and describing the problems that we had and how we solved them. Um, but yeah, just it's a lot of face to face right now and social media. And what challenges you are uh, facing with this? Um, no, no challenges now. I think it's just, um, you know, there's a lot of features we want to build, but um, having started five companies now, the one mistake I think a lot of companies uh, do is they, um, they grow their engineering talent too fast. And, and so what we like to do is we like to use a metric that we call revenue per employee. And so we like to make sure that we're making revenue and that it's kind of has a good ratio with employees because as a team grows, the communication starts to break down and the efficiency breaks down. And like the ideal probably maximum team size is probably 12. And so what we're trying to do is stay as close to that a number for our engineering teams as possible so that, you know, we have high efficiency. We can, we can grow and, and perform relatively early. And so for us, it's that it's just the amount of work and making sure that, you know, we're efficient and moving fast. And we also have a decentralized team. So our team is distributed all over the, um, uh, all over the world. So, you know, time zones, things like that. Like we have, uh, we have an employee in India and, you know, having him travel to go to a company, uh, all hands is tough because, you know, trying to get into Portugal, it's hard. So it's just a lot of issues like that and how you pay people in different uh, parts of the world. So those are all things, but you know, thing, you know, that's one of the benefits of COVID. The outcome is that people learned how to get good at paying remote teams, how to do remote things uh, a lot better. And so we're, you know, we're bent. That's maybe the only benefit that I could see from the whole COVID situation. Uh, you mentioned uh, 3% of the population are using it. And uh, uh, which countries are more into this? Um, so three so, percent uh, of the population are using crypto, roughly. Um, but um, yeah, the United States, Europe, Asia. Yeah, I, I don't know who's uh, what countries are most. But you know, in El Salvador, uh, they are using you know Bitcoin as legal tender. The government has allowed that. Um, Argentina is having a big collapse of their financial system, and so. Um, a, a thing like Bitcoin can be very good there. It's becoming very popular because um, Bitcoin is not tied to the government's currency. So if the government's currency has 
massive inflation than um, or deflation or the value is collapsing. Uh, a lot of them are trying to put money into crypto like Bitcoin. Cause even though Bitcoin is volatile, it's much more stable than their government's currency in, in its current situation. So um, it has a lot of real value and usefulness in you know all parts of the world. But I'm not sure who's most likely. But I know a lot of uh, use cases being you know, a lot being done in the States and Europe and Asia. And in simple words, can you explain uh, how your service works to some non-technical uh, people? Yeah. Um, so, so if the technical part is if you want to run a blockchain node, but if you want to run a blockchain node, say uh, you have a crypto wallet and you don't want to rely on any other third party to get the balance and make sure the information is correct, you can run your own node. And um, you can run many nodes if you want. And what you can do is you can come to BlockJoy, you can sign up, you can say, hey, I want to run an Ethereum node, uh, click a button, and it's running. And all the updates are handled for you. You don't have to do anything. And you can just look at the screen and see the, the graphs that everything is working. And you could point your wallet app to that, and now your wallet is self-contained. You are basically, your node is running on the blockchain network. It's getting all the transactions and seeing all the data as all those are filling in. And your wallet doesn't rely on any third-party service. It's only relying on yourself. And how all other jobs of yours are helping you to give the best user experience? Uh, I'm sorry, repeat that? Uh, you, you, are, you are into uh, multiple jobs. You are doing uh, different roles. How other other jobs that you are doing are helping you to give them the best user experience for this particular uh, service. Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me personally, just having a background in technology and in product. So uh, understand. So, so as an engineer, uh, like a technical software engineer, you know, I'm solving technical problems that interest me. Um, I don't, you know, I'm looking at complex, you know, solutions and performance and things that sometimes a customer maybe doesn't see directly. And because of that, a lot of engineers tend to build solutions for problems don't exist. They they build solutions because they like it. It's something they want to work on, but they don't talk to the customer or the end user. And so they may not understand that the user doesn't need that or doesn't want it in this particular way. Um, but my career has been spent both in product and in engineering. And because of that, I've launched a lot of products. I've, I've been head of product for a lot of things. And because I understand both sides, it really gives me a, a good view for, A, how to implement something in an efficient manner and also um, implement something that users love. And for me, everything starts with the user. And, you know, I was really into design thinking, a lot of stuff by um, IDEO and things like this. And so really coming at a problem with an open space and trying to figure out what the problem is, is the most important thing before you talk solutions. But engineers, we always are talking solutions. Oh, you got this, you got all this data, let's use this database and this key value store and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I want to understand what the, the root problem is. And the most important thing I learned is what I call, um, you know, basically popping the Y stack. So if somebody tells you, hey, I need a green button and you ask why, and they say, well, because I could see it better. Why? You, you, you ask why like five times and then, well, it's because, uh, you know, I'm colorblind. Then you finally get to the reason of why they need something. And so it's really important to understand that customers don't always know how to best solve their problems. 
And customers don't always talk in terms of problems. A lot of times they'll talk in terms of solutions. But what you really want to do is understand the problem so that you can really brainstorm. And the more you can observe the problem in its natural element, even the better. So it's better if, like, they don't even have to tell you that you can just see the problem happening and understand it that way. And uh, your customers are from which industries? Uh, all crypto right now, yeah. But mo- mostly uh, companies have been running blockchain nodes for uh, staking or for, you know, for wallet access, you know, RPC nodes, things like that. So from which countries? Uh, China, we have Singapore, we have the United States, we have Europe, uh, lots in the EU. Um, yeah, Indonesia as well. So yeah, we have we have customers from all over. So you are into technology from long time. You have understood how things works in the internet, and you know how uh, uh, things are working. So how you are able to use that uh, years of experience in your present uh, service in uh, maintaining and give the best. Yeah, one? yeah. So so as I mentioned with Blockjoy, it started as an accident, and because me and my co-founder are both uh, experienced engineers. We didn't intend to create a company, but we wanted to run nodes for ourselves. And we just built a solution because it was scratching our own itch. We knew the problem inside out. And so we built something and we built something from scratch. We we're able to, to do it very fast and very efficient. And because we rethought the problem from scratch based on our years of experience, what that led us was some kind of technological innovations that basically make this so that we can run nodes at a fraction of the cost. For example, when we started, it cost $200 a month to run an equivalent node on Amazon Web Service, but for our platform, it only costs us $11 a month. So we're able to really, you know, make these dramatic price uh, reductions, and it's because we're technical and because we understood what it takes to run servers. And everybody today, like all developers, just go instantly to the cloud. But when my co-founder and I started 20 plus years ago, we were on the first.com and there was no cloud. You basically bought servers and you installed servers at the data centers. And so we understand bare metal from day one. And then everything evolved to the cloud because at some point the cloud was more cost effective. But today it's not like I'm pretty adamant that the cloud is not where you want to be when you're scaling. I think um, everything that they do is, is like permanent pricing for like cell phone plans. It's like who would pay permanent pricing for a cell phone plan anymore. Nobody. And that's kind of what the cloud has become. And um, we don't think it's great for blockchains. And so now what we're seeing is a lot of companies, even outside of crypto, migrating their web services and things to bare metal because the cloud is too expensive and people now have the tools. And it's almost like a lost expertise, how to run a bunch of servers yourself, but anybody can do it. And, uh, what size of uh, of uh, I mean, what com- uh, what uh, businesses business companies with which size uh, will get most uh, benefit from this? Um, I think I mean anybody can get benefit, even individuals. But what we I think can focus on is large node operators. So big companies that run a lot of nodes for their business and depend on it, uh, we could save them just a ton of money and a lot of operational overhead. Um, and, you know, we give them a lot of tools to automatically update nodes, to onboard brand new chains faster than anybody else. 
So if, you know, a big company wants to support a new blockchain uh, that just came out using Blockjoy, they can do it within a day or so. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say our focus right now is B2B, but certainly anybody could come. It's easy enough that anybody could come and run even a single node if they wanted. But I, our focus really is on B2B at this point, because we, we think that the, these big companies running in the cloud are losing you know, tens of million dollars of a year running big node operations in the cloud. And what about security and pricing? Yeah, so security is um, what I like about the, the, our approach is that we run on bare metal. And what we do is we provision the security tools in the customer's data center. And so all their keys and all that are all controlled and owned by them. We never touch them. We never have access to them. And so... It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty novel approach and it makes it pretty easy. We also integrate with third party key management services. So anything that works off of HashiCorp Vault, uh, we can support. And so again, they don't have to give us any of their keys or their security. Uh, they can own it and manage it themselves and we make it easy for them to do that. Um, pricing is pretty flexible. So, um, for anybody running in their own bare metal, we charge a small monthly fee per CPU core. Um, anybody that wants us to run the, the nodes for them, it just depends on the, the type of blockchain that they want to run. But we encourage customers to run their own nodes on their own infrastructure. Um, it'll save them a lot of money and also makes the network more, um, you know, diverse and decentralized. And how much time it takes for you to reach everywhere? Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess it depends on what you mean. In terms of marketing, it's going to take us forever. Uh, in terms of, um, you know, running uh, servers all over the world, we could, we could pretty much do it now. We could pretty much run anywhere in the world that you want, any major data center around the world. So do you have customers from India? Uh, let's see. We, we have one. Yeah, we have a couple customers from India. Yes. We do. And, and we have an employee in India. Yeah. And from Asia continent. Yeah, from uh, Singapore, Indonesia, and China, we have uh, customers. Hong Kong, yes. And Hopefully how, in South Korea soon. <laughs> and how effective are you are in making this happen? Um, I mean, we're new, right? We're, we just launched our beta, so it's it's too early to tell. But um, based on what we build and what our, the people that we talk to have seen, they're very excited. So I feel like our last two years we've been working on this is starting to pay off. And, uh, yeah, we're excited for what, you know, what it's going to look like five years from now. And what do you say to the developers? Um, with our team or anybody that wants to use this? Uh, anybody who wants to use this? Yeah, I mean, I think it gives them an easy way to run their own nodes. They do not have to rely on third-party RPC or API servers. They can run their own node. They can have fast access to data. They don't have to pay anything extra for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a benefit. And the apps that they build, you know, they really should be encouraging individuals to run nodes because, again, decentralized is the nature of the game. The more decentralized it is, the more safe it is from, um, you know, tamper resistant, the more safe it is from uh, censorship. And basically, it needs to be diverse. And putting everything in the cloud under, you know, Amazon is is not the ideal way. So uh, I would say that, you know, Blockjoy makes it super easy for you to build your apps and for your customers to deploy apps and for 
anybody in the community of the protocol that you support to run nodes. And how do you explain the difference between uh, uh, centralized and decentralized thing? Yeah, so centralized is when there's an intermediary, when there is a company that basically is in control over the majority of something. Um, so in, in the case of Facebook, it's very clear. Meta is in control of Instagram, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, Facebook Messenger, and they dictate the policy and the rules. They have been, you know, fined and punished for misusing customers' data. Uh, they've been very aggressive in um, anti-competitive, you know, tendencies. Like, uh, you know, my understanding is that they lobbied very hard against TikTok because TikTok is a, a huge competitor. So, so these big companies that are profiting off of your information, they're all making record profits. They've all been uh, manipulating data to some degree in their benefit. Um, and, you know, that just needs to go away. I, I don't think that the core services that you depend on, like your email, you know, you probably use Gmail. Everybody uses Gmail. Again, that's all centralized. It's one company that can read all your email and could service up ads. You know, that's not great. Um, you know, when we talk about Messenger or, you know, your social media platform, like Google owns, you know, they own YouTube, right? They own uh, your Gmail account. They own so many things. And it's just not right because they're capitalizing off of your data. And, you know, you're getting some services for free, but a lot of people don't realize what it's really costing them. And or your YouTube channel, like you're being, you know, if you're getting monetized, I mean, Google's making a big cut of that. You know, it's, you're doing all the work. You're publishing all this content. People are loving it. People are watching it. And then they're getting paid for advertising. In fact, you know, the first 4,000 hours of, of watch time, they get all the revenue from it. Not You don't get a dime. So, you know, it's just not fair. Why? Like if there's a way for you to publish your content and be in complete control and get every penny for whoever views it, you know, that's a better approach than, you know, having to rely on a third party company to take a big chunk of your money and you're doing all the work of, you know, producing the content. Do you have a, a easy example to uh, finish off this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's like a lemonade stand, right? So uh, in a centralized world, there's a company that owns your lemonade stand and you want to sell lemonade. You sell lemonade. They can tell you which flavors you can sell. They can kick you out if you sell a flavor they don't like. And then they take a cut of the profit. So all the money goes to them, and then they give you a little bit of money afterwards. Or in a decentralized mechanism, you own, you build your own stand. You own your own stand, and people pay you directly, and you get to keep all the money because you've done all the work. And so that's the real difference. Like, do you want somebody else to own your, your lemonade stand and take – you know, 80% of all the money that you uh, that you get for selling, or do you want to own your own lemonade stand and take 100% of the money for selling? And that's the big difference between centralized and decentralized. And this is why I think Web3 is so important. Um, we, you know, we rely on these services. Like all of our information is coming from social media. Um, we're dependent on these, you know, uh, social media applications. We're depending on instant messaging applications. And I don't want people reading my private mail. I don't want people reading my private messages. I don't want people, um, you know, telling me what I can and can't post. And so this is why it's important to get rid of the intermediaries. It's important to migrate from web two to web three where anybody can consume and anybody can, you know, basically produce. 
and um, there's no intermediary. Uh, can you spell your website to my podcast listeners? Sure, it's blockjoy.com, B-L-O-C-K-J-O-Y.com. And what about support? If they want the information, if they want to know more? Just go to the website. There is a form where you can fill out uh, and it'll hit us and we can respond back to you. So it's pretty easy. And as a person into, who is into technology, who has a, a, a great understanding about internet and communication system and how things work in the internet, what is your observation about my work? Oh, I think it's great what you're doing so far. It's fantastic. I think you've had some really great guests. And look, uh, I like that you are trying to build, uh, you're building your own media empire. You know what I mean? Like you're working hard, you're uh, reaching out, you're, you know, uh, being being consistent in, in um, publishing content, you're being tenacious and getting guests. I, I think it's great. I think you're going to be hugely successful if you just keep up the, uh, the work that you're doing. It's fantastic. And uh, one observation that uh, that uh, I want yours, which means a lot to me because uh, uh, you are you are you are great in technology. Uh, what do you think that is working for me uh, in order to uh, talk with uh, uh, more than hundred country plus people? Uh, what that qualities are working for me? Um, I think it's just your tenacity. I think um, you know, pinging somebody, following up. Um, I also think it's your approach because. What I like is that your your angle or your niche, if you, if you will, to your podcast is really about interviewing people from all over the world and how, you know, where they are in the world impacts uh, the work that they're doing. And so I think that's super exciting because, um, you know, oftentimes nobody's really covering that. Nobody's talking about what it's like to, you know, work and live in one country and that not being your home country, you know. So it's very exciting. Um, and it's also it's very interesting that you're looking at what the global impact is, like how this company is having its impact on the world and where in the world it's having an impact. So that's all fantastic stuff. It's content that you can't really find anywhere. So it's great. Uh, I'll put your work in my website as well uh, with your web links and uh, uh, the, the service in detail that you're providing so that people who uh, comes to my website also can see in detail and uh, can understand what you're saying. Perfect. That'd be great. And if you can put um, also like our podcast, um, you know, WTF Web3, that'd be great, too. It's just anchor.fm slash WTF uh, Web3. But yeah, perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'll put all your links uh, in, in the website. They can find it. Uh, can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And also, can I put this audio and video clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media everywhere with your permission? Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks, uh, Chris, for your valuable time and telling about your work and uh, telling about the service that you're providing and uh, how you started this and uh, what is your intention and uh, what is your objective to do this. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on and taking the time to ask me all these questions and let me talk about myself. So I uh, appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Keep going. Uh, keep uh, 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 doing the great work and uh, i hope uh, you will reach everywhere in, on the planet yeah same for you i mean i hope uh, your podcast continues to be successful and continues to grow which I'm, I'm absolutely sure it will well thank you so much thank you sir again okay bye bye